Today, if you would uh, turn your Bibles, or we will put it on the screen, Brother Jonathan will put it on the screen, our title of the message today is A Mission Revealed. Why did Jesus come to this earth? And I will read several verses of scripture. We'll start off reading Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed. And that, understand this word, it was more than just being engaged. It was like being engaged. In fact, you you were engaged to a person. And in order to not marry that person, you had to get a divorce. So this was serious that they were engaged or betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while she thought, by what he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph. Son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated certainly God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him and took to him his wife and did not know her or have a physical relation with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name, say it, Jesus. Then Revelation 1, John, the uh, seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, notice what it says about him, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests, and to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, we don't need to hear another message. We don't need to hear another sermon. We need to have a revelation for us today who Jesus Christ really is. Reveal this scripture to us. Open our spiritual eyes that we might see and understand what thus saith the Lord. And Lord, as we plant seed, the seed of your word, let it spring up and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Will Pounds back in 2006, said it this way, a kind of moral relativism has taken over. Nothing is really wrong. If I have a good reason to do it, it's not sin. That is the modern attitude toward the righteousness of God. 
He goes on to say, I get the impression that the church in our day avoids at all costs the idea of sin and guilt and therefore tries to entertain lost sinners into heaven. However, there is no escape of the fact that when God became flesh so that he could be with us, he did so in order to save his people from their sins. By the way, if you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and we'll make sure. I trust somebody has an outline to give out. Uh, okay. Here he is. Here he is. Justin's the man. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand because I want you to read that. I want you to read that if you don't mind. What uh, Will Pound said is so true for our culture today. It allows us to see what's happened and happening in our culture today. And it doesn't matter what this one thinks or that thing, that one thinks or, or what this denomination preaches or don't preach. God's word is true. And the 21st verse of the first chapter of the book of St. Matthew says he came. To save us from our sins. Amen. He came to save us from our sins. Jesus the Savior. This name or Jesus' name simply means Yahweh is salvation. It means salvation. It meant something for them to call him Jesus as the angel of the Lord instructed the character in which God delights to regard his son, not just king, not just Lord, not all of these and their great many, many, many names that we have given unto this man, Jesus Christ. But the name that is so important is Savior. He is the Savior of of the world. The real nature and the design for Christ's coming is to save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to do away with Caesar, to remove the Roman Empire, even to do away with pain, discomfort, all of these things. No, it doesn't say that. It says, for the Son of of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Save them from their sins. This design, and I love this statement, this design will surely be accomplished. He is saving people today. I preached what, a couple of three Sundays ago about how important it is for us to understand that what we see happening in America and especially the Western world today is only 15% of what is happening around the world for the kingdom of God. That blows my mind. We say, well, this is not happening and churches are closing here and this preacher is resigning and these people are doing thus. And so let me tell you, God is saving more people today than has ever been being saved in the history of mankind. Is that a wow? So this design, he will save his people from their sins, whether it's here in the States, whether it's in England, France, whether it's in China, whether it's in South America, whether it's in the Middle East with the Muslims, 
people are being saved from their sin. Christ came to save. Notice Roman numeral number two. Not from poverty. We'd like to think so. Not from pain. We'd like to think so. He came to save not from death. And I looked over this congregation this morning and I got named person after person after person after person that's dealing with pain today. That's hurting. Deep down inside because of a loved one that is sick, because of something that has happened in the home. Believe me, there are people that are hurting here. But I'm here to tell you that God Almighty, through and by his son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, he will save us from our sins, but he will come and comfort our lives through and by the Holy Spirit. I like that. But Jesus Christ came not to break the yoke of Caesar. Not to reestablish the kingdom of David, but to break the yoke of sin and set up the sinless kingdom of God. Amen? I like that statement. I love what he came to do. Let me say it again. Not to save or break the yoke of Caesar, which the Jews at that time thought he was going to do. Boy, he's going to come, and if he's not going to just wipe them out, he is... But that's not what he came to do. Not just to save from the consequences and results of sin. Not just the penalty of sin. But from the power of sin. From sin itself. There's a book. There's a song in the hymn book there. It says sin is to blame. See yonder man in the prison he dwells. Sin is to blame for it all. You see, the problem, and you can't sing that song anymore because we don't talk about sin any longer. We don't talk about evil any longer. We do. You probably do. Not to the extent of forgetting the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, but there's sin in the world today. And man deals not with the cause and the source of our problem. Man tries to deal with problems without dealing with the source of the problem. Good place to say amen. It's true. I think about people wanting to be delivered from drugs and alcohol. And there are many programs. There are many millions and millions of dollars being spent by the government and other organizations and good things happening. But I look at the how how little the success is. Putting someone on drugs to get them off of drugs to me is not going to work. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And then I look at a I look at a ministry like Teen Challenge. They have up to 87% curate of young men and people that go in that are addicted to heroin that are addicted to cocaine and marijuana and alcohol and their lives has been ruined and up to 80 percent of those people come out in fact 72 percent of those young men and those young women that attend teen challenge five years later they're still free You know why? Because Teen Challenge deals with sin. They they read the word. They preach the word. They pray. 
and they allow the Son of God that came to deliver us from sin, they allow Him to work in their lives, and they go away free. Locking them up is not going to change them. It takes the power and the anointing and the grace of God Almighty. And I'm thankful that Jesus Christ came to set us free from our sins. One of the things that's wrong with America today is that our schools tries to get stuff in the brain and teach us all about and educate us and all those things, but we've laid aside the fact that we teach character anymore. You can't do it. It's offensive. It's not PC. We, we, we don't do that. But I'd rather my children learn, learn how to be uh, a, 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 a good person, righteous person, character, have character about them, good character, than to learn how to spell and do arithmetic and, and history. And they both are good. They both are important. I'm talking about getting to the problem of America. I'm talking about getting to the problem. You know, we look, at, we look at our families and we say, what's wrong with our families? Why is it that over 50% of the people that get married, it, that marriage winds up with divorce? Why? See yonder man in the prison he dwells? Sin is to blame. Sin is to blame for all sorrow. And we know that sin is to blame. I'm here to say that rather than just dealing with the effects of sin, deal with sin it's, it's at, at, at the roots of it. The work he is, Christ, is to accomplish is a most gracious and blessed work. He shall save his... That's why Jesus came. Oh, you see, he came so we can exchange gifts, so we can have days off from work, so we can enjoy the beautiful music and and watch the lights and all of those things. Those things are okay, but that's not the reason he came. He came to save us in our sins. Did I say that right? Did I miss it? I missed it, didn't I? But that's what people believe. He came to save us from our sins. Christ came to deal with man's number one problem. Capital S, capital I, capital N. Sin. He has saved his people from the penalty of sin. And I like this. That's justification. Amen. He has saved us from the power of sin and that sanctification. Somebody say amen. He not only came to save us from the penalty and the power of sin, Jesus Christ will save his people from the presence of sin. That's glorification. Long for today, we never have to deal with sin any longer. That old evil. We need to look at sin as our enemy. Not cozy up to it. Not sin all we, can, we want to. Now I know, preacher, you're talking about living a perfect life. I'm not talking about living a perfect life because none of us are perfect. 
There's no perfect one. The only perfect one was Jesus Christ. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. He is, will save us from the presence of sin, from their sin, not in their sin. That word from means from among. In other words, to take us out of our sin, to remove sin out of our lives. Oh, but Brother Don, you sin. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you who's my advocate. Let me tell you who's my go-between. Let me tell you the one that stands instead before the Father. The Father cannot look on sin, so I don't have to stand there naked, clothed with sin. Jesus Christ stands there for me in my stead. Thank God from our sin. In other words, when we are saved, we no longer live that lifestyle. I'm not saying we don't sin. But we do not habitually. In fact, let's read something that's found in 1 John chapter 3. Good verses here. Stick with me. It's wordy because it's the Amplified. But it is excellent in explaining how the sinful man that accepts Jesus Christ live in this life without sin. The Bible says he who commits sin is of the devil. And the Bible also says in 1 John, if we are born of God, we do not sin. How do you balance that? On one one hand, we say we sin. On the other hand, we say we can't sin. All right? 1 John explains this to us. Chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous just as he is righteous. How can sinful man be righteous just like he is righteous. Verse 8 says, The one who practices sin, separating himself from God, and offending him by acts of disobedience, acts of indifference, and acts of rebellion, is of the what? Devil. Devil. We don't, we don't, we don't say demons and devils. You know, it's, that's offensive. That's not, again, not politically correct. Is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Not only did he come to save us from our sin, but Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. I like that. Praise God. In other words, the person that, is, that has been saved, that comes to Jesus Christ, he or she is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ comes on the inside. Jesus, through his spirit, is on the inside. He changes us from the old man to the new man. That atomic nature, he changes us. Not perfect, but what happens, that spirit gives us strength. You know, I look at Romans 7. If you get a chance in the next few days, do a study with Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. Because Romans chapter 7, Paul is struggling. In fact, he gets to the place he cries out, Oh, wretched man that I am. He's struggling. 
And I would like to read several verses there. In fact, I would like to read uh, uh, verses 7 to 13. But I'm going to read one verse because of the time. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Paul struggling. I can see Paul just scratching his head. Because he said, when I want to do good, evil's there. And I can't do good. He said, when I try not to do bad, evil's there. And I find myself doing that. And that's when he, that's when he, he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am. Because sin is deceptive. Sin will destroy. Sin will put in bondage. But then... My friend, that's the reason we are to rightly divide the word of God. You go from chapter 7 in Romans, you go to chapter 8, and 19 times in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And Paul, in, 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 right into the church at Ephesus, says for us to know not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In other words, what happened as, as, as an individual... Jesus comes on the inside. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside. Sees all of our struggles, knowing that in the flesh, someone says, I can't. If I turn on the computer and all this stuff pops up as a man, I see this, and I just can't. That person showed me kindness, and I sort of got to liking her at work, and I'm struggling I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. What am I going to do? Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. But 19 times, he talks about the Holy Spirit on the inside. Doing a work that you can't do. Doing a work that is impossible for you to do. And he gives you strength. He gives you ability. That's the reason we believe here. And we teach here, we need to be filled with spirit. Because we're living in an age, we're living in a, in a time when you, it's impossible to live that life. It's impossible for us not to practice sin. It's impossible for us not to be habitually sinning. But lo and behold, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and baptized that crew, baptized the early church with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You believe in all that stuff, Brother Don? I do, I do, I do. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I have experienced it. Yesterday I ate too much food. But my wife fixed such good meals. I have experienced her cooking, and I know she's a good cook. I have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life with the anointing of God, and the Spirit of God gives me strength when the enemy comes against me. You let the doctor look at you and tell you you have cancer. And after all the prepping and all the things that he's done, And puts you on that cart. And covers you up. 
that you might be warm and rolls you down the corridor of a hospital. And you're looking and you see those lights passed. And you're going to the emergency room. And you don't know what the outcome is. But every time one passes, you're speaking in tongues. Every time one passes, something on the inside is stronger than you are. And you roll into that dark, cold, cold. You ever been in an operating room? It's cold. They have it that way for a reason. Then they put you to sleep. And you don't know what's going to be the outcome. And then they start operating. And they operate longer than they were supposed to. And my wife is concerned. What's going on? An hour after hour passes and the doctor comes out or someone comes out and says, Miss Westbrook, we can't get all the cancer. We've got to cut some more. They have to come out again and we can't get it all. We've got to cut some more. You let that happen to you. And realize that something in you is so strong. It's more powerful than sickness. It's more powerful than drugs. It's more powerful than sin. Jesus Christ came. He came to save us from our sins. And that word salvation includes all the stuff that goes along with it. It includes health. It includes healing. It includes joy. It includes all the good things. He does that for you. Yes, it's hard. Let me tell you something. There is nothing like having the Spirit of God to give you strength. And then give you ability to overcome no matter what comes. No matter what comes. It's important that we understand there is no admittance to a holy heaven hereafter unless we are made pure by the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, we need that blood. They can take it out of the hymn books. They can remove it from the Bible. They can remove it from the public arena. But let me tell you, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And he wants to save us from our sins, not in our sins. To stop sinning. Be pure. And you stop it the way I've just explained it to you. I can't explain it any better. That word, uh, that word sin means to miss the mark. Mr. Mark, we're going to be talking about fasting, as Brother Michael's already mentioned, 40-day fast, 40-day fast beginning the first of the year. And on January the 4th, there's going to be a film shown here by none other than Tony, Tony Evans. It's about a 38-minute film. It's on fasting. It's a wow. You've never heard Tony Evans. You've got to hear him. One of the greatest things about our Wednesday night Bible study is, is, is that you, you come on a midweek night Yes, you're tired. Yes, you may have had to rush from work. But you come and you sit and you're filled and you're blessed with God's word. And it strengthens you spiritually. But the best thing, well, I can't say it's the best thing. But the next best thing is me, is that we spend 15 minutes around this altar. And it's powerful. People are prayed for. People are delivered. People receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of things happen. 
But the fourth, the fourth Wednesday night, Tony Evans is going to speak. Tony Evans writes in his book, What a Way to Go. It's about a kingdom agenda. His first chapter is a world off target. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Sin simply means, oh boy. Brother Junior's got to hurry. It's, I got three minutes to tell this. Listen to me. This man went to visit his friend in the country. And the farmer that he went to visit lived down a winding road. And so he pulled off the main road and was going down the winding road. And he saw this barn, this large barn. And what was on the barn caught his eye. So he stops his car, gets out, and walks up to the barn. And Tony says it this way. There were 20 bullseye on the side of this barn. 20 of them. And he looked. There was not another hole in the side of that barn, but right in the center of that bullseye. And he stood there just aghast at how such a marksman could shoot that well. Gets back in his car, goes down to the farmer's house, and the farmer comes out the meeting, and he says to him, said, listen, before anything, I've got to ask you this question. Who shot those holes in those bull's eyes on the side of that barn. Farmer said, I did. And the, and the friend said, I, I had no idea that you were such a marksman. He said, shot every one of them. He said, how did you do it? He said, well, I shot the holes and then drew the bull's eye around them. That's the way man lives today in this culture. He shoots the hole. He decides what he wants to do. He decides without the word of God what is sin and what is not sin. He believes what he wants to believe. He's able to move, he's able to move the marks. He's able to, he, he shoots and then he draws. This is, this is the way it should be. And then we live our life the way we want to live it. It shouldn't be. Will you give me three minutes as these guys will come? Matt, would you come? I got to hear this song. It's a uh, song that I tell you that you will thoroughly enjoy. Chris Tomlin, most of us know of Chris Tomlin. My chains are gone. Aren't you glad sin is gone? I'm glad when it comes my time to cross Chile, Jordan, that sin is not going to block me from going to heaven. I'm glad that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed. No greater Christmas message. Listen at me. No greater Christmas message. But to know my sins are gone. My chains are gone. Stand with us and sing it. My chains are gone.